Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is September 14th, 2015. This is episode 139. I'm Scott Magnus, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. For those listening to us, you should be following us on birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, where you can catch a witty blog post by Jake English on a daily and maybe on an occasional monthly basis. <laughs> You can also check out our work over at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. You can also check out their daily podcast, Baltimore Sports Today, with Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns. Highly recommended. Also check us out on various third-party applications such as Stitcher, iTunes, Miro, and Double Twist. And if you get a chance, please go over there and give us a rating. It helps uh, bring in new listeners and uh, helps put, um, I I guess, maybe a little revenue in our pockets eventually one day. Because I can tell you right now, we're we're heavily in the red here. Um, you should also be following us on social media, facebook.com slash BEVcast. But most importantly, you should be following us on Twitter at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And speaking of uh, being deep in the red, Jake, what's your drink of the week? That's a really good segue. Thanks. You, you're not terrible at this, Scott yeah. Magnus. Uh, this week, I am drinking uh, a Zinfandel by The Federalist. Excuse which me? Is, uh, Federalist Wines. I am a big fan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me see your papers. <laughs> I'm a big fan of reds, uh, especially uh, big reds like Zinfandel. Um, it's, it's pretty good, actually. It's uh, pretty good. This is a vintage 2013. Um, I'm a sucker for any bottle that has George Washington or Alexander Hamilton on the front, as the uh, Federalist Zinfandel does. I would also recommend, if you had a chance, um, go get the Founder Series from Yards Brewing Company. It has uh, George Washington Porter, Thomas Jefferson Ale. It also has a uh, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, excellent series with excellent beer. Tip of the cap to Yards Brewing out in Philadelphia. Fair enough. Well, you want to talk about the uh, the, the malt beverages? Fine. Yeah. What are you drinking this evening? I am drinking a not your father's root beer from Small Town Brewery, spice beer that s- s- sort of tastes like root beer. First of all, you don't know anything about my father's root beer. Yeah, it's Is okay. It it's okay. I mean, it, it's it's a good beer. I'd say you pretty much can only have one of them, and it gets more difficult to drink. As you go along in the bottle, which is my biggest complaint. And there's a lot of people that are very big on this beer, but me personally, meh, I, I can take it or leave it. So it's very it, sweet. Yeah, very sweet. I can take, and I'm used to drinking sweet beverages. My morning routine normally consists with drinking three to four Mountain Dews in a given day. Or as I like to refer to them, Satan piss. Please yes. continue. I like to call them crab juice, but that's just me. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
that, that's what we're drinking. So if you want to follow us on uh, Untapped uh, to find out what we're drinking, you can follow me on Untapped at M A G N eight six zero six, and Jake, you can follow it at Jake E four zero two five. That's that right? me. All right. Well, with that pleasantries, I think it's time we go ahead and dive in to one hundred and forty characters or less on this week on the Twitters. First of all, I'm very excited about this. This tweet is legit out of this world. The Baltimore Orioles tweeted today, and you can find them, of course, at Orioles. Really? Tonight, we'll welcome at Astro Terry to throw the first pitch and present Buck Showalter with an O's jersey he took to the at space underscore station. Scott, I have just one thing to say. Squee! That's pretty cool. I mean, that, that is interesting. Um, isn't it a Weeders jersey, though? Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't, so does Buck really need it for two weeks? I don't think it's a Weeders jersey, and here's why. Okay. I think you're confused because there is more than one active astronaut who is an Orioles oh, fan. Oh, that's right. What are the chances? What are the chances that of the active astronauts in the rotation of the International Space Station, that two of them would be Orioles fans? We have Astro Terry uh, and, of course, at Astro Reed. By the way, if you're not following either of those guys, you're making a huge mistake, and this is why. First of all, they're, they're Orioles fans, they're locals. Second of all, they take amazing pictures from the International Space Station and tweet them out from their accounts. Again, at, at Astro Terry and at Astro Reed, R-E-I-D. And they're phenomenal. They're simply beautiful. Totally agree with you. They are really cool. Uh, a must-follow on Twitter just for just the sheer pictures alone. Um, but... Just as an FYI, he, you do know what jersey he did wear up there, right? No. Uh, it was number 43. Okay. Which would be Jim Johnson. Yikes. So he's a pretender is what we're trying to say. Yikes. Yeah. All right, moving on through the Twitters. Gravity was a little bit different on the mound when Jim Johnson was yeah. pitching. I uh, can't wait to hear people grumble. This comes from Steve Molesky. Orioles beat Kansas City 8-2 to win the series. Back-to-back series wins for the first time since late July. Huzzah. Gaussman versus Erod tomorrow at Canyon Yards. Ah, uh, yes, the eternal debate of whether or not we should have traded Eduardo Rodriguez. Personally, I'm ready to move on. Don't, don't you know, Scott? I'm not sure if you're aware, so let me fill you in. That bird is the word? Well, first of all, <laughs> bird is the word. Second of all, if we He had, plays for the Yankees now. If we had <laughs> re-signed um, Nelson Cruz, if we had kept Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez... We would be winning right now. The Orioles would be in first place, and none of these woes would uh, come to us. Mm, that's a good point. Speaking of pitching, I want to go in and talk about a tweet that Utah Street Report came put out. He, uh, Utah Street Report tweeted out, all this about Harvey's half outings. Orioles stars have been going half outings all season. Zing! That was pretty well done, Derek. Well done. It's well done. Lastly, we're going to get a, a tweet from Dan Connolly, who, of course, uh, is a columnist or is a beat reporter for the Baltimore Sun. He tweets at Dan Connolly Sun, and it goes as follows. Jonathan Scope's 23. He has 14 home runs in 69 games in 2015, which is on pace for 33 home runs. He has 29 home runs since the beginning of 2014, third most for second baseman. Scott, here's my question. Mm. Is he elite? Hmm. You know what? We're going to need a little bit longer segment to talk about that outside of the Twitters. Why don't we uh, go ahead and break that down in the next segment? 141. Eat it, Twitter.
All right. So Jonathan Scope was well projected by some people to have a breakout season. Jabby Burns, I'm looking directly at you, sir. Um, and Jonathan Scope has been getting a lot of accolades over this past week uh, in terms of people finally realizing, hey, you know, this Jonathan Scope guy is, you know, pretty decent um, in terms of being out of partial season, but still having 14 home runs in only 69 games in 2015. Um, that's up on pace for a normal season if he were to play a full season at 33 home runs. I, I guess my question is, uh, and this is the same question you posed, of, is that sustainable? And, um, you know, what do we make of Jonathan Scope going forward? Well, let me uh, let me just put this out there. Mm. I think that Jonathan Scope is here to stay. Even though he had, you know, a terrible season last year. Yes. Okay. I, I think that Jonathan Scope has turned the corner to become what Jonathan Scope is going to be. Okay. And, and let's just be honest here. We are used to seeing young position players come out of the Orioles system like Manny Machado where the hype is crazy. Matt Matt Wieters comes out. Yeah, the hype is crazy. To be fair, we're normally not used to accustomed to seeing any position players come out of the Orioles minor league. Jonathan Scope comes out, I would say, to minimal fanfare, right? Yeah. He got brought up and nobody really thought it would amount to anything. Right. I think Jonathan Scope is going to be a very good supporting cast player for the Orioles for a long time. And what I mean by that is he's a flawed player. He is an absolutely flawed player. However, he is a very good in supporting cast mode. Now, let's let's break this down. Defensively, he was tried out in a couple of different positions. We talked about it a little bit uh, last week when we talked about mm-hmm. where to put Manny Machado in the infield. But as a second baseman, I'm curious as to what you think of Jonathan Scope and, and what he's able to do, not only with his arm, because the arm is heralded at yeah. that position, but also with the footwork. Right. Um, it's interesting looking at his defensive metrics this year because they're actually a little bit on the negative side, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just looking at arm strength and you're looking at footwork, I, I think the ability to turn the double play is one of the best attributes that Jonathan Scope has had um, for the past two years. Even with J.J. Hardy being injured um, for a good portion of the season and kind of going in and out, he still had that ability to turn the double play very quickly with whoever was playing at shortstop, whether it be Everett Cabrera, Ryan Flaherty, Manny Machado. Um, it wasn't a situation like I saw last year where I was just like, well, yeah, Scope's defensive numbers and his double play numbers are really good, but how much of that is Hardy really carrying him? Well, it, it, there's still an aspect to that. There's a synergy, of course, going on, but Jonathan Scope has shown himself of being independent of Jonathan Scope in terms of defensive prowess and the ability to turn that double play. Here's what I've noticed, and this is dumb. Like, like, I'm, I'm going to say I'm not. This is not versed in in advanced uh, metrics. Jake, after 139 episodes, I think our audience knows that at this time. <laughs> so this is dumb. One of the things that I've enjoyed most about uh, Jonathan Scope defensively is the arm, and here's why: he can make up for mistakes with his arm, and that is if Jonathan Scope can get in front of a ball whether or not he feels it cleanly, he can knock it down and has the time because of the arm, whether he be in the standard second base position or in right field as a part of the shift, to knock something down and throw people out because he's got the arm. I think that he's not the best second baseman. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he's not. But in a combination with that arm and what I've seen from him while he was on that gimpy PCL this season, I I think that Jonathan Scope is going to be an okay second baseman. And... I would like to point out that if he's the weak link in the in the uh, infield defense, 
that's probably an okay situation. Yeah, I think the only complaint I would ever have from a Jonathan Scope is just a range aspect. Yeah. Um, J.J. Hardy obviously is already having issues with range, and Jonathan Scope doesn't project to me to be a very good first-step initiative second baseman and having the range up the middle. It would be nice to have a, a, a second baseman that had a little bit better range, but in all honesty, you can't have everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with what Jonathan Scope is bringing defensively to the plate. Um, I guess the big thing is, though, this year, and the reason that we're you know heralding him to a certain regard is his offensive production. And I think anybody that had listened to this show last year uh, remembers me basically saying, you can't keep going with Ryan Flaherty. You can't keep going right. with Jonathan Scope. You're going to need to go out and get a second baseman if the Orioles are going to be successful in the playoffs. I even you know said, we should go out and get Brian Roberts because... You did say that. I remember. Yeah, because you know Jonathan Scope was so bad offensively. That, stop it. That is not why you said that we should no. go out and get Brian Roberts. There were other reasons because of Diana Roberts. But, you know, you look at his numbers, and he definitely is hitting with an immense amount of power. His ISO, which is his isolated power, is up um, immensely from 145 last year all the way up to 230 this year. He's hitting a lot more line drives this year. Really good sign. Um, But the biggest complaint that I have is you look at his numbers in terms of walk percentage and K percentage, uh, and he doesn't walk ever, you know, three percentage uh, points in terms of K percentage which is, you know, similar to Adam Jones, if not worse than Adam Jones. Mm -hmm. So the question is, if you're going to put someone that has 25-plus percent K percentage in there, can you do that? And can you do that with maintaining players like Chris Davis also being in your lineup who has a 30% K percentage? If you're going to have Davis and Scope go back-to-back four and five, is it acceptable for you to have that many strikeouts in the middle of your order? All right, let me pull out the wet blanket. Yeah. Do you really think we need to plan around Chris Davis being in this lineup? No, but I think it's an important thing just to consider of saying, hey, you know, if you're going to go into the offseason, the question would be, you know what you have to do with Jonathan Scope? Like you said, Jonathan Scope hits for a lot of power, but also strikes out a lot. Very similar to Davis. At 23 years old, I'm not saying that Scope is going to be a 40 home run power hitter, but if he's a perennial 30 home run power hitter, he could be a, a Robinson Cano type player. And sure. if you're going to give me a Robinson Cano, Cano type player, I'm going to take that in a heartbeat. Even with this year, with Robinson Cano being down, I'm going to take him in a heartbeat. So I think the real trouble, forget Davis, I think the real trouble is can you have Jones and Scope back to back with their strikeout profile and with their lack of walk profile? Because Jones is a great player. Yep. You know, I, I said that it, foolishly, I said at the beginning of this season that I thought 2015 would be the last special season from adam jones offensively but you're going to have adam jones moving into his 30s and you're going to have jonathan scope who as we've talked about has this particular flaw i think it will be interesting jonathan scope has been used as a a number five hitter Mm -hmm. this season late in the season as he's kind of blossomed offensively if we're going to have a a situation where jones and scope possibly follow one another I think that's a danger. I think it's a danger because it, it eliminates a lot of possibilities for the bottom of the order, guys like Caleb Joseph or whatnot, to be able to have the opportunities to drive in runs. But I agree with you wholeheartedly that Jonathan Scope's flaw is is the walk rate. That is that is his Achilles. And heel. that's been a, an issue for a multitude of Orioles from Adam Jones, even Manny Machado before coming into the season with the ability to draw walks. The argument I would make to this is we look at Adam Jones and we look at, oh my God, I can't believe he swung at the ball in the dirt. He struck out. But... As much as we want to talk about Adam Jones being consistent year in and year out, he's had a major change this year. Adam Jones had gone from being a perennial 19% uh, K percentage over the past 
four years since 2010. This year, he dropped all the way down to 16.8. And this comes back to the discussion that we had with Jeff Sullivan at the earlier this year, where we felt like his plate discipline and his contact percentage may have improved. Now, at that point, we're like, "Eh, it might be an outlier. But over an entire season, we have now seen that strikeout percentage drop. I'm not saying that Adam Jones is having a banner year offensively. In fact, it's very similar to the past few years. But what I'm saying is that plate discipline may be starting to improve slightly, and I'm not so worried about Adam Jones being a number three or number four hitter at this time. And it's one of the things that we talked about being the difference for Manny Machado. Yep, yep. Do you think that Jonathan Scope has it in him to grow as a player to build upon that plate discipline and bring down the walk numbers or bring up the walk numbers? Um, I, I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, I'm not going to say it, you know it, it's not possible, but what is interesting looking at his plate discipline this year is he's swinging a lot more outside the zone pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's swinging at more pitches in general. It's gone up from 53% last year all the way up to 60%. Um, and his contact has gone down a little bit too. So I guess the thing is, you know, he's being very aggressive to the plate, but it's okay to be aggressive at the plate depending on where you are in the order. And he's generally been at the very bottom of the order. If he moves up to fifth or sixth in this lineup, that approach may need to change slightly. But again, in the fifth hole, I'm okay with a person that has 25% K percentage that's going to be able to hit 30 or 40 home runs. All right, so here's the question. Uh, it's actually a two-part question. I'll start with the easier portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man- er, Man- uh, Jonathan Scope mm. is hitting well right now. Yeah. We all talk about the he's on pace for, he's on pace for. We, we It's important to us to know what 162 games would look like in this particular look. Can he sustain it? I'm asking you right here, do you think Jonathan Scope is going to continue to have a banner 2016? Or do you think that it's possible that he falls back to earth a little bit? Mm. It's tough. Um, but you know what? The talent is there. He's young enough. He's learned a lot in these past few years. I, I think that he maintains the level of success that he has seen in this brief uh, 2015 season. So I'm going to say, yes, I think he's going to be able to maintain it. The only concern I have is if they do move him high up in the order, what does that do in terms of putting more pressure on his shoulders? I think he'll be able to respond to it um, just like Manny did, but it is a question. He wasn't a top, top prospect, but he was a top 100 prospect. Um, But I think Jonathan scope is a good talent. So, all right. So let's go back to the original question. Yeah, go ahead. And this is, is he elite? My argument, which nothing in this discussion has changed my my opinion, but I, I'm curious as to what you use. I think that Jonathan Scope is going to be an effective second-tier supporting cast player. He's not the Adam Jones. He'll right. never be the Adam Jones. But I think that he has the capability to be kind of what J.J. Hardy was for a period in this team, which is a strong offense from a middle infielder, somebody who's going to be in the second half of the order, who can also drive and runs, who can carry the baton, who can flip over the lineup, who can who can be a part of the offensive attack. But he's never going to be the guy. He's mm. never going to have to be the guy. And, I mean, if you'll forgive me the hubris, I think that, that is a hugely important role in any ball club. And like I've said before in the past, I really see him in that similar role. I see him as a very Melvin Moorish type of player, That's which, great, again— yeah. Not a star on a team, but a great complementary role um, and a player that could easily get into the Orioles Hall of Fame with continued success. Um, so, yes, I, I you see Jonathan Scope as a Melvin Moore type player. Uh, 
potentially an all-star in the future as well, in my opinion. Yeah. And Melvin Moore is a great comp. And and I love, you know, I've been dancing around it, but complimentary is is a perfect way to put it. Because it's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a, a downplay of his no. abilities. But I think when you put him around guys like Adam Jones and, you know, hopefully the team continues to employ players in the Chris Davis talent Right, you know, pool. I mean, you look at the position players that the Orioles currently have, and you've got Davis, Machado, and Jones all in the top thirty for positional WAR. Yeah, there's no reason that Jonathan Scope couldn't be in the top sixty for positional players in terms of WAR, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, you're going to take that in a heartbeat, being like, "Oh yeah, we've got you know three players in the top sixty. That's what playoff teams have to have. They have to have multiple players in that top fifty to top sixty range. So Jonathan Scope may not be in the top ten, might not even be in the top twenty, like a Manny Machado." But he can serve as a very additional uh, big, big benefit for this team and cheap as well. So you, as far as putting uh, Jonathan Scope in the hall of pretty good, you're buying. I'm buying. And the conditional bet that Jebby Burns and uh, the Bevy boys made was uh, Jonathan Scope would not have as many home runs as Nelson Cruz in the 2015 season. It looks like we were right about that. We picked Nelson Cruz. But Jebby... I'm on the bandwagon for the 2016. Jonathan Scope is going to have more home runs than Nelson Cruz in 2016. Sounds pretty dope. Yeah, sounds pretty dope. All, All right. right. So you're buying. I'm buying Jonathan you're Scope. You're buying Jonathan Scope. That brings the next question. What else is being bought and sold? Okay. Let's do a little buy-sell here. All right. All right? And and these are the, the couple of things that we jotted down, and I'm really curious as to your thoughts. Um, let's, let's do the cult first. Are you ready? Mm. Drink the juice. God almighty, I hate this guy. Nolan Reimold. Yeah. Will he be brought back to compete for an outfield spot in spring training next year, even if that is simply a fourth outfield spot? I hope not. I really do hope not. The only thing I could see him possibly coming back on this team for is like being a DH. But if you're looking at an outfield spot, I'm looking at Dario Alvarez. I'm thinking Dario Alvarez is your fourth outfielder. I see no reason why Darry Alvarez can't be your fourth outfielder on your bench and be your center fielder as well. Nolan Rymel could be that as well, but I want to see what Darry Alvarez has as that fourth outfielder. I think Darry Alvarez also offers a better defensive option than Nolan Rymel does in late inning situations. He's a better version of David Lowe. Nolan Rymel, eh, it's, it's okay, but he's going to be, you know, he's a Delman Young type player in my opinion. And his health has just not been consistent. And this is not to denigrate the guy. I think that, you know, and I joke about the cult of Nolan Reimold, but he shows the flashes, yeah. right? He shows the flashes where you think, oh my gosh, this guy is for real. I mean, look, just the other night, he hit a grand slam. You know, the guy runs out of every play. He's got the speed to beat out infield singles. He's not horrible no, in the field. No, he's, he's competent. He, he's not bad, but he's a replacement level player. He he also can't put it together when he's given the opportunity. Right. And that, uh, that I think, is the dangerous part of falling in love with Nolan Reimold, because he's very easy to root for. You know, I love the guy. Hopkins I'm, loves to root for him. I know why people <laughs> why people join the cult of Nolan Reimold, but you are selling Reimold as a outfielder on this club for the future, yes? I am selling Nolan Reimold, um, a individual that is a flash in the pan over the past few weeks, um, but as an individual that is going to be 32 years old next year. 32 years old, folks. It's time to move on. Whoa, whoa, let's not cast aspersion on 32 as being old. Let's okay. just I've, seen I've seen 32-year-olds play softball, and it's not pretty. <laughs> All right, I'm also selling Nolan Reimold. <laughs> what do we have next on the uh, on the buy-sell? All right, I'm going to go to Pride of Pigtown next. Steve Clevenger as Caleb Joseph's backup for 2016. 
this one's hard for me, and, yeah. and here's why. I every time this this concept gets brought up, I always say, no, of course not. Steve Clevenger doesn't have what it takes to be a regular major league player. And by regular major league player, I mean, I don't think enough of his defense to be a backup catcher in this league. And I'm not sure that I'm sold on the fact that he can contribute every day at DH or occasional first base or whatever else that he does to be on the everyday roster. I'm wondering if he's not that quadruple A player that comes up in September or back and forth during the season when you need him. But every time I say that, I feel like he does the the thing where he has a three-run home run and, you know, catches a, a gem and all this other stuff. Every time I say that Steve Clevenger isn't ready, it's not that he proves me wrong. He just puts a lot of doubt in my mind. Yeah. So I'm going to say sell, but it's not a convincing sell. What do you think? 29-year-old catcher, going to be 30 years old going into next year. I'm buying for this year. Left-handed bat. Um, as a backup catcher, I have no issues putting in a left-handed bat that is pretty decent. Um, again, he's only going to get in there once or twice. Uh, I think that's perfectly fine, and I think the Orioles have bigger holes to fill than going out onto the free agency market and trying to find a backup catcher. Once or twice a week, you mean? Yeah, once yeah. or twice a week. So, so I, I feel like part of the buying of Steve Clevenger is also buying the farm. C- Caleb Joseph is being the starter. Well, it's also buying into other catchers that are in the organization and hoping that they can develop into something. I know Chancisco's down there, and I know a lot of people have saying that Chancisco's not going to be able to develop into a defensive catcher, but I'm crossing my fingers that that may be the case. But I'm buying into Caleb Joseph very heavily. I think Caleb Joseph is an excellent catcher, and I really don't see a great market out there to go out and say, I really want this catcher at this time. And, you know, hey, for a team that needs someone just to hold down the seat, maybe a Clevenger-Caleb-Joseph uh, tandem is exactly what the team needs. I, I'm. It's cheap. I mean, that's the big thing, and it's, I think that's why the Orioles will go for it as well. I'm selling, but I'm not convinced. What, what is your call? Buy-sell? Mine's, mine's buy Clevenger as Caleb Joseph's backup. All right. Next question I've got for you, Scott. Buy or sell Mike Wright in the bullpen in 2016? All right. This is a tough one because I might have to sell it only because I think the Orioles might put Mike Wright into the starting rotation next year. Oh, man. I understand why we would say that and go, oh, man. But you have to think to a certain regard, the Orioles not moving Mike Wright into the bullpen during the September run has to be somewhat of a, oh, we want to see if we can push him into a starter's role for next year, which would be a disaster. It would be a disaster. Scott, you're making me the sad clown. Yeah, no. So you're selling on Mike Wright in the bullpen because you think there's a chance the Orioles will try to make him a starter. Yeah. If it were me, I'd buy and put him into the bullpen in a heartbeat. But I'm selling on the router because I think in reality the Orioles are going to try to push him in, into a starter role, oh which would be horrible. Ah. I'm buying. Yeah. I'm buying hard on Mike Wright because I think he's got the tools to be an effective Tommy Hunter replacement. Look. I like that. He's not Tommy Hunter, but he's got the tools. Remember, when he came up in those first two starts, he was throwing 98 in the seventh and the eighth inning. Yep. Mike Wright has the heat. He does. He's got the fastball. He can be, I think, dominant in the back end of the game because he's got a starter's repertoire, even though it is not as dependable as what it takes to be a, a starter in this league. Right. He can get through the lineup once. Yep. And that is exactly what it takes to be in the back end of the bullpen. I think that Mike Wright is a cheap alternative 
to restocking the bullpen, and I think they should spend that money on a real starter so they don't have to do what you do. So what you recommended. So I am I am buying wholeheartedly Mike Wright in the bullpen from my lips to Buck's ears. Okay. Next one I want to go through is Jason Garcia is a key contributor to the Major League bullpen in 2016. I'm buying. Ooh. I'm buying. Uh, here's the thing. Since he's come back from the DL. He's been really good. Jason Garcia has been very good. Yeah. And, you know, everybody trashed him, including us. Yep. Including myself. Yep. Everybody trashed him. But once he spent some time in the DL, and let's let's be honest, he could very well have needed to get right. Mm-hmm. He's been very good. We've seen every sign of the potential of that electric arm that got him selected as a rule five draft pick and he's also getting major league experience here in what is turning out to be meaningless games in september so as far as i'm concerned jason garcia can be a key contributor in the in the bullpen in 2016 are you buying or are you selling i'm selling i'm selling for the reason of i think the Orioles are going to put him back into minor leagues and turn him into a starter oh man saying he was a starter originally the orioles need starting talent and i think they see the potential to put him back into the minors and develop him into a starter for this team i feel like you're saying things just to horrify me at this point look i think he could be a decent starter in the future do you really i do think he could be a decent starter in the future now he came from the boston organization yeah i won't pretend to know a lot about the boston farm system yeah was he that way because he couldn't make it an a ball or was he that way because that was the quickest route for him to get to the majors and have the, the Red Sox use that useful arm? Oh, well, he was injured, and then they came back and they started developing back with being a starter, but he was always projected to be a starter, a back-end starter at that. But I'd like to see what the, they could make out of him to be a starter. Even if it doesn't work out and you're like, he's really not working on a starter, you can always put him back in for a bullpen. But he's so young, why wouldn't you want to see what kind of talent he has in terms of turning to be a starter? And even a fifth starter is way more valuable than what I have envisioned for him, which is, you know, a sixth, seventh inning guy. Right. So I can easily also see a situation where you've got a contingency of Mike Wright and Jason Garcia serving as the uh, Norfolk shuttle between both of them. And they just go back and forth, back and forth and serving as that late inning arm um, for 2016. Yeah. I mean, that 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 does provide all the roster flexibility in the world. Yeah. Uh, look, you've been working really hard to break my heart. Yes. So I'm going to return the favor. Okay. And I'm going to ask you a heated, pointed question. Okay. Scott Magnus, buy or sell? Yeah. Dylan Bundy as a guy who makes it in the majors. Buy. Okay. Follow-up question. Yeah. Starter or bullpen? Starter. All right. So you are at the point where you think that his... His arm trouble is not going to impede him from being a starter at the major league level. Right. He'll be a good starter at the major league level. It just won't be for the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the twinkle in your eye. See, uh, listeners, you, you don't get the benefit of the twinkle in the eye of Scott Magnus. When he says things like that, he has this look that says, I'm distinctly up to something. And you just need to ask a probing question or shut up for a second so that I can lay it on you. So are you? am I right in thinking that you think that the Orioles are going to have to give up on Bundy? Somebody else is going to pick him up and he's going to become an Arietta of uh, some other team? That is correct. So Dylan Bundy oh. will be with the Orioles through this offseason and into next year. But sometime next year before the trade deadline, Dylan Bundy will be traded. 
for some kind of mediocre talent, <laughs> and they will flame out just like Gerardo Parra, and Orioles fans will say, well, you know, Dylan Bundy wasn't going to make it for us anyway, and then he's going to go and play for, uh, let's see, he's going to go play for the Diamondbacks. No, that doesn't feel right. He's going to go play for the Florida Marlins, and he's going to turn into a number two starter right behind Jose Fernandez. So uh, we're going to get Glenn Davis in return. Uh, no, we're going to get some churros in return. <laughs> and um, Dan Duquette will not have to go to Jimmy John's for several weeks. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. We've, we've gone to a dark place here. So let's, let's make So it- has September. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yes. It just makes me sad. So let's let's go darker. Okay. This is uh, near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give you the first uh, crack at it. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Dylan ben- Bundy, you are sell- you're buying him being a starter at the major league level. I am I'm selling on okay. Dylan Bundy. I think he's too damaged goods. Okay. That's that's my official answer. Uh, buying or sell Scott Magnus on a bounce back season for JJ Hardy in 2016 i am buying on a bounce back season Whoa! for jj hardy i think jj hardy's gonna have a bounce back season because honestly it can't be any worse than this season so of course it's gonna be a bounce back season is it going to be as good as previous seasons where you know he was a top five shortstop eh, probably not but defensively he's going to be very similar i think he's going to get his weighted runs created plus up to 80 to 90 not going to be a great season but he's going to put up 20 home runs next year wow that is that is in bold prediction territory. So that is my bold prediction is J.J. Hardy comes back next year and hits 20 home runs. I just asked buy or sell on a bounce back, but you are knocking it out of the park. Knocking out of the park. Yeah, um, just like J.J. Hardy will next year. Wow. Wow. I think you're spot on when you say that he will do better than this year because a blind squirrel could, right. could do better. But uh, and, and that he's not going to be as, as good as he was in years past. Look, his... Uh, 20 to 30 home run days behind him. Yes, absolutely. But he can't possibly be worse. Here's a question, though. We were talking about um, Jonathan Scope as being the weak link defensively. If J.J. Hardy is the weak link, if he's the eight or nine hitter on this team, providing, again, great defense, if he's paired with a guy like Ryan Flaherty to the point where he's not playing 150 games, but rather 125, 130, Maybe that's the player that we need. It's an expensive yeah. player at that point. Uh, it's not terrible, though. I mean, it's you're paying what twelve or thirteen million for Hardy, and you're going to pay two million dollars for Flaherty. To pay fifteen million dollars for a shortstop, if you can actually make it work in terms of keeping him healthy, and get you know two to three WAR from Hardy, and you can get half to one WAR from Flaherty, that's actually pretty decent value. Uh, I'm as a tear slowly trickles down my face. I'm going to say sell on a bounce back season from JJ Hardy. A lot of talk in the Facebook communities, in the social media sphere for the Orioles fans about whether or not we can dump JJ Hardy's contract the way they tried to trade away a ball of Jimenez last season. I don't think that we're at that point. I don't think we're at that point, too. The other thing was uh, this offseason, he's going to be entering into two ten five category, which means that he can basically block any trades as well um, by having so much MLB experience. And a trade also automatically activates his option, option. which is like $18 million yeah, for that. Way yeah. too much money. So there's no way any team's going to pick that up. So J.D. Hardy is here for the good, good term. So what you're telling me is that it's a total fantasy that we'll go ahead and trade him. That is correct. Well, with that, let's dive into the rest of fantasy and go to Fantasy Boss. <laughs> 
Jake wins, pulls out his lead to 11 to 9 to 1, going down the home stretch. Last week's category is quality starts. Over and under was one and a half, and Jake pulled it out on Sunday. Jimenez and Chen came through for Jake with quality starts. I thought Chris Tony was going to get on Saturday, but well, that game kind of slipped away. I want to throw out a shout out here. Yeah. Uh, sat with Chris Maurer, a great friend of the program, a listener. He he uh, he comes to all of our events. He he is active on on the twitters with us. Great dude, great dude. Had the opportunity. To and he loves with- wrestling, which I love too. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm supposed to talk to you about wrestling afterward on his behalf. Anyway, okay, we'll do. We'll take that off off air. But uh, so I had the opportunity to sit with him for a couple innings on Sunday. And while we're watching the game, he turns to me and says, "Hey." Uh, Chen has the opportunity to win you fantasy boss here. Chris, tip the hat to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad someone's paying attention. <laughs> when we joke that there are two listeners, uh, you were the one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, we, uh, I, I feel like this is, is justice because you baited me the previous week yeah. on over under and I took the under cause I was pessimistic. Yeah. I tried to make it up by, by taking the over last week. And so, uh, I feel like the Orioles and Karma paid you back. Rewarded me. Yeah. With two series wins at that, too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's talk about Fantasy Boss this week. I'm going to keep it uh, thematic. Okay. All right. First of all, I'm going to do the the this or that over under piece. Sure. Second of all, I'm going to go with something we've talked about. Okay. So, the two players that you have to choose from, Scott, mm. are Jonathan Scope okay. and Adam Jones. Okay. And so, the question is, who will have the higher walk rate this week? And if for some reason there's a tie, your tiebreaker is the number of, I'm sorry, the tiebreaker is WOBA. Okay. And for some reason, if there's a crazy situation in which there is a tie, then the backup is home runs. Okay. So we're going with walk percentage, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Adam Jones. Okay. I I think that's a solid pick. So I'm just going to go with Adam Jones. I think Adam Jones has had a little bit better play discipline recently mm-hmm. than Jonathan Scope. I'm just going to go with and just say Adam Jones for walk rate. I agree with you. That's who I would have picked if for some reason I were to pick this week. So I will I will have uh, Jonathan Scope. Here's the thing mm. I want to take a look at. Yeah. I'm curious, even if Adam Jones uh, has the higher walk rate, which of those players has the highest weighted runs created plus? Let's just keep an eye on that. It's not part of the uh, Fantasy Boss competition. Sure. Just something to keep an eye on. So this week... Fantasy Boss, the uh, category is walk percentage. Scott takes Adam Jones. I am left with Jonathan Scope. So the question is, who will own it? And with that, let's go through the rest of the numbers of the Orioles in the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right time. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, 
I think I'm actually going to start this week. So, Whoa. yeah. So my good for this week is going to have to go to Chris Davis, who's making it so hard to say goodbye. Uh, he had two more home runs this week. Weighted runs created plus of 318. Um, and just displaying great plate discipline, too. 28.6% walk uh, percentage. Um, just amazing week for him, all things considering. Six RBIs and eight runs as well, which is nice. Um, Chris Davis is being a monster at the plate, and is just you know making money hand over fist at this time. Scott Boris is his biggest fan right now. Yep. I had a I had a very weird moment on Sunday night. I went to the game, and here's the thing: mm. I uh, I was sitting downstairs at one point in the game for Chris Davis's 42nd home run, and as I watched him hit the ball. And then around the plate, uh, around the bases, I thought to myself, is this the last time I'm going to see a Chris Davis home run in person as an Oriole? Now, we've got a couple of games left that we're going to go to. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you can never guarantee when he hits a home run. We're getting into that territory where I'm starting to to ask myself. Is this the last crush I see? Is this the last look that I'm going to get? That is a very depressing, very depressing thing. My good this week... Sorry, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Nolan Reimold. Nolan Reimold was very good this week. A way to runs created plus of 210, a 478 Woba. He was 7 for 21 this week with two home runs, six RBIs, six walks against four strikeouts. And look, this this whole good man, the other thing is all about small sample size. Mm-hmm. But in this small sample size, he was undeniably good. Yep. Getting a chance to hit in that leadoff spot on a regular basis, and he's actually doing things. Look at that grand slam. There's only one catch. There is a bad here. The bad is that the fact that he's doing well might bring more people into the cult of Nolan Reimold. Yeah. Uh, Play discipline has been absolutely amazing by Nolan Reimold. Um, That grand slam was specifically set up by him getting ahead in the count and a fastball being put right across the plate, which he could just drive. So uh, kudos for Nolan Reimold for working that play discipline, which has really shown up not just in his walk rate, but also getting ahead in the count and hitting the ball with authority at that time. Yes. Uh, can I can I stop us here for a second? This is unprecedented. I'm going to stop us here. I'm going to do an honorable mention for good. Okay, that's right. I am. Uh, I'm going to do another good because I wanna. Honorable oh. mention for good this week is Fox. What? Fox. Fox baseball. Saturday's game was Fox. Yeah. What didn't get to see that because I was at the game. Here's the thing about Fox. I don't know if they do this for every game, but when it's a Baltimore game, they have Gary Thorne they on the broadcast. They don't do it for every game, but they do do it occasionally. And what I mean by every game is, I mean, do they they have one of the hometown guys call the game? Well, like the last time Gary Thorne did a Fox game um, when the Orioles were on it, it was the Orioles and Nationals before the All-Star break, and it was him and your boy J.P. Santiago and just... Them talking it up. If if this is their if this is their business model, I think it's very smart of them to pick a local guy to do the broadcast because he's very knowledgeable about the team. And if they have that with every team, that's mm. great. But there is no better joy than turning on a baseball game when you expect to hear crap announcers and instead you are greeted by the dulcet tones of Gary Thorne. So my honorable mention for good is Fox broadcasting of the baseball game when the Orioles are playing, because I love me some Gary Thorne. All right. Well, the uh, Democratic uh, National Party will be in contact with you, by the way, to revoke your voter ID card. Uh, My bad for the week is going to go to Mike Wright, um, who continues to show why he's not a starter. 
I went five innings this week, and um, his walking percentage was 3.6. His K per, uh, K per nine was 3.6 as well. Just not the ability to put players out uh, with the strikeout, no whiff percentage, and it yielded some absolutely horrific, terrible results. So Mike Wright, further emphasizing why he shouldn't be a starter and why the Orioles need to not buy on him this year, for next year. So Mike Wright, bullpen, not starter Orioles, bullpen. Move on. I hear you. All right, my bad this week is is TJ McFarland. And look, this is a lot on me, Scott. This is all on you. Look, much like Carly Simon, this song is about me. Um, look, I praise the guy when he does well and remind listeners that he has a role in a major league roster, a useful arm, which was why he was pursued in the first place in that Rule 5 draft. Everybody likes to crap on him. I think he has a rightful place in the major league level. However, I have to take my medicine and point out when he sucks. And this week he did. Five earned runs in one-third of an inning on September 12th. Yeah, that was let, a fun game to go to. Let me just walk this. Let me just walk you all through this, yeah. all right? That, that inning in which he appeared consisted of the following. A single, a single, a double scoring run, an intentional walk, uh, uh, one to three, all right, a pitcher to the, the first baseman, a grand slam, yep. and then back-to-back strikeouts. Yep. They have a term for this in baseball. Youch. Yeah. It's pretty bad. TJ McFarland was not good. He was bad. So again, I'm a big proponent of uh TJ Mack of having a role on the Orioles, whether it be the Norfolk Shuttle or the seventh band in the pen. But this week, he was not doing me any favors. He was bad. Well, if we're gonna talk about Cyrus game, we've got to go to the ugly, and it had to be Brian Mattis. Brian Mattis was absolutely horrific during that game. Um, and I remember seeing Buck come out of the dugout and just be absolutely fuming at the given situation of him him being brought in specifically to go against left-handers, multiple ones back-to-back-to-back, and him not being able to get any of them out. And you could just see the level of disgust of being like, I brought you in to basically allow Tillman to get the win, and you basically just sharded away. You had one job. You had one job, and you, you screwed it up. So... It was just sheer disgust, and normally you don't see that sheer disgust. In fact, the last time I saw sheer disgust from Buck's face in that regard was when Jake Arrieta was pitching here. <laughs> so, Brian Mattis, get that Cy Young ready because you're going to be a, a great pitcher with your next club. Let me uh, let me let me ask you a follow up question, uh, Brian Mattis. Is he uh, is he a Roberto Clemente Award winner? Whew. He was nominated. For the Orioles team, I just don't see that whatsoever. So remind me for a second, what does the Roberto Clemente Award recognize? Uh, community service, okay, and, and okay. it also recognizes on the field sportsmanship. Stop. Yeah, Brian Mattis was nominated for an award. Wait, that- one second, can I put some suntan lotion on? Thanks. Brian Mattis it's, it's really sunny in this basement right now. Oh, is that a retractable roof up there? Yeah, I'm still going to rub my suntan lotion on everybody. <laughs> Brian Mattis was nominated for an award, which in part recognizes on-the-field sportsmanship. Can I ask you something? Yes. Is he up against uh, Pineda? Uh, no, he's not. But it actually does make sense about the on-the-field sportsmanship. How so? Uh, you look at how well he gives sportsmanship to the other batters, and it's definitely <laughs> on-the-field sportsmanship. Uh, I feel like we should just spend the rest of the show crapping on Brian Mattis, but uh, out of out of uh, tune in next week to episode one forty. <laughs> out of out of uh, tradition, I feel like I should go on with my ugly, and I'm going to do it with a heavy heart. 
And my ugly is for J.J. Hardy. You and I talked earlier about, will he have a better year next year? You say yes, I say no. J.J. Hardy was ugly this past week. He was two for 21. And look, I could dive into the stats because I feel like I've been doing a better job of that lately. But why bother? Hardy is absolutely lost at the plate. Now, I will say that I was there on Sunday and I watched him drive a double to the gap and I watched him hit a lot of warning track balls in good positions. He had a great game at the plate on Sunday, but that is too far and few between. He's going to come into spring training as the Orioles shortstop, but you really have to ask yourself, is there a point in which the leash gets tighter? Do the Orioles have to consider taking a financial hit and coming up with contingency plans? Now, that would be a shame, considering there are other glaring roster holes for 2016, but it would also be a shame because I feel like J.J. Hardy is a fan favorite in this team. He, he's, a, he's a clubhouse favorite. He's a guy whose signing I heralded personally because I thought it was a great move by the Baltimore Orioles. His signing was announced about this time last year when the Orioles were going into their playoff run, and they said, you know what, J.J. Hardy's going to be a part of the future of this club. And I said, you know what, he's a, a middle infielder in his 30s, but this is the right move for the team. And this is not the way to repay that kind of faith. J.J. Hardy has been rough all season, and this week he's ugly. I certainly hope for better from him in the future, but uh, wolf. Yeah. All right, well, with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, blow the save? Jake, this week, you know, I I sent out a tweet earlier today, which was as follows. I am really glad that a certain player that I dislike hit his certain historic home run elsewhere because I don't want to have to deal with that. And of course, I'm talking about David Ortiz's 500th home run. Now, MLB, uh, MLB's Twitter account is pretty good, I would say, is pretty balanced at, at celebrating everybody in baseball. You know, if the Diamondbacks have a good game, if the Rays have a good game, they'll tweet something out about it. But as David Ortiz approached his 500th home run, they kept saying, you know, David Ortiz is now the X number person who's hit 492 home runs. And every time I would think David Ortiz is now the least likable person who's ever ever hit this number of home runs, he's part of the 500 home run club. You can't take that away from him. He's a great hitter. He, he, He is... Of the players that I have watched in my lifetime, one of the most prolific power hitters of the time. I mean, a clutch hitter, too, especially in the playoffs as well. Yeah. And and look, everybody who's an Orioles fan is probably screaming out the word asterisk right now. You have to lump him in with that group of did he or didn't he with PEDs. It doesn't matter. He hit 500 home runs Mm -hmm. in his career. And I have to begrudgingly say that is impressive. However... It's also impressive how much of a jerk he is. And Scott, you do the editing, and you're incredibly lucky that I didn't use stronger language than that. David Ortiz is not a good guy. David Ortiz thinks that the world revolves around his talent. And I have bad news for him. It does not. But you told me something very interesting about his 500th home run. Yeah, it was caught by an Orioles fan. I had no idea. An Orioles fan from Virginia, too, at that it's possible that attitude. I, it's possible that I had no idea because I was in denial about this, but I had no idea. It got me thinking, though. He's a better person than me. Yes, this this Orioles fan is a better person than me because uh, they gave it up 
gave it back to David Ortiz. For a player I dislike this much, and I am all about, you know, the the ball belongs to the player. Yeah. But for a player I dislike this much, I would have made it hurt. I would have made him pull out all the stops to get the ball. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you, what would it take for you to have given David Ortiz his 500th home run back? Um, it would have required me to have him come to Camden Yards, install a phone within the visitor's <laughs> clubhouse um, personally, um, and he would have to provide um, cell phones and uh, money to local organizations in order to you know, support a charity of the fans choosing for a Baltimore charity and organization. Wow, you were such a better person than I because yeah. you brought charity into this. I didn't even I didn't even go there. You you're a good human being, Scott yeah. Magnus. Here's what I would have required yeah. from David Ortiz. First of all The hate's much stronger. The, the hate is so much stronger. I would have required sweet access to every Orioles game in Fenway in twenty sixteen. Okay. And not That's because you love Boston. I mean, and, and not just for me to go there. I mean, I want the suite. Uh. A suite for me to pack it with Orioles fans to have a grand old time on David Ortiz's dollar for every Orioles game in 2016. That's what it would have taken for me to give David Ortiz his 500th home run ball back. Otherwise, you know what it would be doing? It would be getting hit off a tee by my four-year-old son. David Ortiz... I do not like you. Do I begrudgingly respect your ability to hit a ball very far? Yes. Do I think that excuses your behavior on the field? No. Do you know why? Because I'm small and petty, and I can admit it. And I think we've known that after the past, you know, 138 episodes in the past. And with that, if we're going to get petty, why not watch the Orioles for the rest of these next two weeks? Um... You know, we know out there it's tough right now to watch the Orioles. It's been tough for even for me and Jake to watch game in and game out. I certainly have missed a few games and spent it with my family. But we appreciate you out there listening to this show um, and, and like to thank you at this time. Absolutely. It's it's uh, difficult to think about watching the Orioles when there's nothing to watch for. But we know you're out there and it's our responsibility, we think, to bring you a good show. So if you're listening to this, thank you so much. And with that, Scott, I have nothing left. So I will bid Baltimore and beyond a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. It's over. Go home. Go.